0: Today I'm joined by Sheikha Hend Al-Khassani, Qasimi, is a woman of substance and strength. Her academic journey began with studying architecture at the American University of Sharjah, entrepreneurship at the American University of Cairo, and management, marketing, communication and media at Salsa Paris Sorbonne University. She is an accomplished businesswoman and has a record of successful business ventures in varying fields such as her Fashion House, House of Hend, hand by hand Perfumes, Heart in a Box, Restaurant, as well as Velvet Magazine, which is an international luxury fashion, beauty, travel, and lifestyle magazine distributed across Europe, Latin America, Arabian Gulf, and China. Sheha Hend is an Emirati royal, and she has been on the advisory board at CFD Dubai, as well as being a patron of International Dubai Fashion Week, alongside being a member of the Sharjah Chamber of Commerce. Sheikha Hind actively takes part in philanthropy efforts and is a staunch advocate for human right causes. Her voice has been prominent in addressing global injustices. She is the author of the internationally acclaimed Black Book of Arabia, which in essence documents the human form and stories at all levels, our modern-day Sheherzadeh, Sheikh Al-Kasimi spins fantastic tales of love, betrayal and heroism from around the Arabian Gulf. These stories offer a surprising look into the personal lives of a whole range of men and women, everyone from princesses to paupers and from sultans to sorcerers. These candid stories, sometimes moving, sometimes funny and always entertaining and surprising, will resonate with readers around the world. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, can you tell us about your background? Well, thank you
1: for having me for starts, and uh, I appreciate this opportunity. Um, my background, well, you mentioned everything, like a CV, uh, except that I just started this year studying law at Paris Pantheon Assas University, and uh, it's my first year, so I, it's uh, it's a bit overwhelming, but I think... I think everyone needs to understand, especially if you're, if you're a supporter of people, you need to understand law so you can better protect people. So this is my latest uh, adventure, and so far so good. That's I, fantastic. Uh, the last uh, two years, I've been kind of on a hiatus. I've been a uh, kind of on a vacation actually. Uh, being a mother, I have a new baby boy. And he's almost two years old, uh, the apple of my eye, and uh, I was also busy working on my Arabic book. It's basically the Arabic version of the Black Book of Arabia, but in Arabic I called it um, which means the bent rib, because a rib isn't a straight bone like the, like the hip uh, or the femur, I mean, I mean like the hip bone it's or, or it's uh, it's a it's a circular bone <clears throat> so i called it the bent bone and uh, it's been out for almost a month so far so good and uh, i'm um, so yeah so that's that's something i'm working on and uh now i'm uh, so it's uh, i think i mean we 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 were told as children that uh, education is a journey from once you are a child until the day um, uh, from from the cradle to the grave. So I'm still on my journey and I'm enjoying it so far. Other than that, I'm uh, pretty much uh, painting painting away at home, and I'm working on a new project where my paintings are sold for. Uh, an orphanage charity in Gaza but we're still in the preliminary stages so let's see how that works out
0: that's wonderful you've got lots going on and lots of um, wonderful things that you're involved in and congratulations on on the little one as well could you tell us um, a bit about your book the Black Book of Arabia
1: well Black Book of Arabia whether you choose to read it in English or in Arabic the Arabic version is a little bit longer because I looked at the criticism I received in English and I tried to correct it in the English in the Arabic version, so the Arabic version is actually longer it's uh if you want like the English version is something like two hundred pages the Arabic version is four hundred pages
2: so uh,
1: so that's what I've been working on and uh so I I like people said we want more details. I mean it's a short story book and it is true people like real people with their stories telling their part like their their part of the story. And then I decided maybe I should explain more because when you need to add more details um, you have to stay truthful to the story. So I began ex- expressing the the country's laws, the country's uh, Uh, norms and culture, uh, taboos. And I began explaining the mentality of the characters. So I kind of um, added more details to add more context to the narrative, which is what I did. And so far, so good. So I've been hearing a lot of uh, positive responses. So I think my my two years of labor on the book didn't go to waste. And I'm happy for that. Uh, The book basically speaks of, like, there's one woman from Yemen, and she sells her kidney. I don't want to ruin the story, but she thought that by selling her kidney, she could start her new life. She could marry her fiancé, use the money to start to, like, basically um, buy herself a new home or rent herself a new home, get her mother a washing machine. you know, um, like, close her father, like, like uh, um, you know, basically fix her life. That's one story. Another story is of a girl going blind on her wedding day. And uh, there was no apparent reason. But the scary thing is, is that each and every crazy story in the book is actually true. And every person in the book is, uh, is, is, is real. Flesh and blood and circumstances and, and madness and how, and how basically uh, God, God gave them a problem and the, everyone chooses to solve it in his own style and way. And uh, how they react is what makes the story so, um, so mad. Um, have you read the book?
0: I've actually started reading the book, so I'm uh, in the initial stages but fascinated, absolutely fascinated by uh, by the, the the beginning um so and they're very interesting. and the way you write as well, it's very captivating. and there's and and I know, and I believe it's true because so much happens in real life and the way you write as well, it's its all these events that are happening, and you can kind of, you're just mesmerized by it. Um, so I wanted to actually ask you, how did you conduct research for this book and find these stories?
1: Well, some of the stories are, are basically famous stories uh, that are covered by the media and press in the Arabic papers, but not obviously in the English papers, because uh, uh usually um, i mean some of these stories usually come from um like we we, we, we in, in the arab world it's not it's not uncommon to hear of someone commonly say i sold my kidney i mean there's there's a village in afghanistan called the one kidney village and i wanted to mention that in the story so i did Because people need to know this, that sometimes people are so poor, they begin selling pieces of their flesh to survive. And they sell it for peanuts. I mean, its and the thing is, a lot of these people suffer because of what they did, physically and uh, health-wise. I mean, they don't do it because uh, they, they want to have fun or because um they they like they want to some of them do it because they need to eat they need to feed their starving family it's so sad that that people are reduced to that and in some countries like uh Afghanistan where they're not even allowed to leave anymore the country it's the situation it's because it's real i mean can you imagine being for the, the only way for you to feed your family because you can't find work Unemployment is so high; nobody wants to hire you. The only solution you see in front of you is to sell pieces of your body. I mean, to, because your your family is starving to death. So I wanted to mention that in the book, and but just only a small part. So in the Yemeni story, I mentioned the story of the Afghani's because I find that the Afghani's and the Sudanese are forgotten in this world fight. I mean. Maybe I should have worked in a humanitarian company, because I find myself um, genuinely involved in trying to help these people, because they, they've been suffering for years, and they don't know what to do, and no one no one wants to help them. So the least I could do is just mention their situation, which I have.
0: Very heart-wrenching, and and thank you very much for doing that and and being a staunch advocate for them. Um, The stories in the Black Book of Arabia are very poignant. What impact did they make on you as a human being?
2: I mean, um, they they humble you. It teaches you to listen. It teaches you to,
1: to learn from people. I mean, you look at people and what they do with their lives. You look at people and how they react. I mean, materialistic things don't mean as much anymore. Before you'd be like, Oh, I'm I'm saving up because I want to buy my buy this birkin or buy this watch. It becomes secondary. I mean I mean before I would lose sleep because I'd say, Oh, I'd like to buy this and by that. Now I'm I'm more focused on, oh, I need to raise funds for this orphanage. I need to do that. I mean, I mean, I'm no saint. I love my shopping and my manicures and pedicures. But it's, uh, but now I, I feel like I've been, uh, like, uh, I think when you're older, um, the pretty things don't matter as much. It's more about the, the things with meaning, because that's what Carry, what, what you carry in your heart becomes more important than what you, what you carry on your
0: shoulders. Beautiful, what you've just said, what you carry in your heart matters, you know, more than what, what's on your shoulders. That's very poignant. Um, from an author's perspective, what are the main themes emerging
2: from these stories? Um, I, 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 um, the thing is, these are true stories
1: the stories that stuck with me I mean originally I had something like 40 fifty stories and I was in a meeting with Bloomsbury and they chose these stories because they were the most poignant they 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 run true with them and they felt like the readers would be in the beginning when I fir- when I fir- when I was first published by Bloomsbury, I was over the moon I was like, wow, I'm so proud of myself. this is going to be great and um, So when I sold out in my first few months, I was thrilled, but they wouldn't uh, replenish. And I went to them, and I gave them quite a hassle. I wasn't a good, I mean, I wasn't a quiet person. So I told them, hey, uh, since I'm doing so well, why haven't you replenished in the bookstores? They're like, oh, we'll replenish next year. I'm like, but people will forget the book. So I harassed them until they, they, they did a reprint, and it was stocked again. And it was once again sold out. So I went to them a third time and I told them a second time and I'm like, hey, I'm sold out again. Why aren't you like replenishing? I mean, isn't this a good business? And then they said, um, I mean, they were a little surprised that I was doing so well. And I was like, I thought that, I mean, I thought that by me selling, you'd be more thrilled, you know. And, uh, And then I was like, hey, maybe we should publish it in Arabic. But they had the rights for something, I think, five years. So I had to wait several years to publish it. They weren't interested in publishing it publishing it in Arabic. And I was like, but the Arabs were going to like this. I mean, I really think they will. And they were like, no, the Arabs, I mean, Bloomsbury, I mean, somebody working there told me this. They were like the Arabs are more interested in reading about books about cooking, about uh, horoscopes and about dream interpretations. And the funny thing is it's it's funny because when you go to the the National Book Fair that happens, people always have the three books <laughs> in their shopping bag, but they also read other stories as well. And people like to eat. People people have. I mean, people a are little are a little superstitious about their dreams, and and they and they need to understand like their interpretation of the dream, like what it means, and it's not such a bad thing. So uh, so um uh, they were not interested in publishing it in Arabic. So in the end I did it in Arabic, but uh it took me a good two years because the translations, I mean they would be, when you go to these companies which were publishers and I mean I I am no longer published by Bloomsbury, but uh, I I do not deny that in the beginning they were brilliant. But I felt like they weren't so excited about me. which disappointed me, and I was like, "But I'm selling so well!" And um, they, um, so I, I, broke off the partnership with them. But uh, they were very nice, and it just ended peacefully. And then I started publishing on my own. And when I wanted to publish the Arabic version, I did. But it took me. Ex- I felt like it was harder to do the translated version. Like when you start a store, when you start a business from scratch. It's actually easier because you 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 develop it and just and and it's easier to launch. But when you work on a translation of a book and then you expand it and you need it to be as truthful as it can as it can be to the original uh, original source, it it took me some time and I didn't have any help, so I had to check the the language. I had to check the uh, I had to find myself a new publisher. Which I did Dar Shuruk, and uh, so far so good. And I'm I'm due to be I'm doing a book fair in Egypt, which is the biggest uh, the biggest uh, uh, Arabic publisher in the Middle East in the Arab world. And I'm looking forward to it. This at, at the end of January.
0: That's wonderful. It it sounds like you've been a real journey, and it's almost like um life imitating art in a sense that where you've had these poignant stories of strength and courage and then you yourself as a writer have faced these challenges to sort of turn them into opportunities and sort of now going to self-publishing and leading on to more things. Um, do you have plans to continue writing and what is next for you in terms of being an author?
1: Um yes I pl- I mean I I enjoyed the journey so much I I mean the result doesn't matter even when you enjoy the journey this much it makes it worth it I uh, I have recently joined a, a, a writing course with a famous writer called Ahmed Murad he's Egyptian and he's written some famous uh, uh, books that have been made into movies one's called The Blue Elephant part 1 and part 2 and one is called um, uh, Diamond Dust. And uh, he has three other movies. Um, two are actually in the making right now. So he knows what he's doing, and he's doing so well. And I'm taking a course with him over two months in script writing. So maybe my next piece is making it into a movie. So you never know. It's... Uh, I'm taking. I mean, I just took one class with him, and my next class is on the eighth of January. So, it's uh, like I told you, uh, enjoy the journey. It's not the destination that matters. If you, I mean, it's, it's in life when you say, "Oh, I want to live to be a hundred, What use is it to live to be a hundred and you are, you're, you're not a, you're not loved, you're not happy. It's all about doing what you do. Uh, in, in 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 poetic movement, you you have to. I mean, I don't know how to properly express myself in this way, but
2: <clears throat>
1: the journey of learning. I mean, you might not know this, but sixty or to sixty to seventy percent of what you retain in in class is actually what you learn from your students, your fellow students, and the experience of being with. With people that teach you so much, is what makes the journey so special. By being in, um, by being in a room full of people that share the same vision of high achievement, uh, this magic rubs off on you. Which is why people usually tell you, um, you you are your colleagues. If you hang out with high achievers, with lovely people, with inspirational innovational people, you eventually become the successful innovative spirit that you want to be so it's uh it's a journey that you have to learn from and uh, and we have to learn i mean it's it's uh, it's all about uh, Uh, being a a better person, gaining a better experience, doing more for your life. So, I mean,
2: everyone tries, everyone does his part, and uh, here I am.
0: I think it's so wonderful. Um, You're so authentic and so, so to kind of see it from all the angles, you know, you talk about from... This, the spirit of the book and you talk about the reality that you face as an author and all these wonderful ventures that you go into with a human spirit, with a really authentic sense of purpose, which is beautiful. Um, what inspires you to write and what is your writing environment?
1: What inspires me to write is uh, some stories have to be told. And I feel like storytellers are much more stronger. I mean, if you if you carry if you can if you can basically tell a story, you you can basically run the world. You can make a difference, which is why I, I find right like writing stories. I feel like this is my message to the world: to help people, to 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 help people heal, to help me heal. Like uh, if I feel bad about someone's situation, um, I write about them. I talk about them. I mean, if you notice,
2: anyone that wants to be anything, uh, they have to start from somewhere. And uh, you start by the stories. I mean, even even in school, they teach you, they, tell, they,
1: start, they start you with a story. They tell you the stories of the successful people because they want you to be a successful person. By recounting stories of important people, you become an important person. In society, which is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to help where I can by, no. by, by telling the stories of, re- because notice these are all real stories. They're not just, uh, uh, random people. They're not just, uh, uh, boy meets girl, uh, and let's try to get married or let's, uh, try to be successful. No, it's, uh, it's more uh, black coffee, hold the sugar. It's real. It's raw. It's authentic. It teaches you. It teaches you something about life. It teaches you that life isn't just a bed of roses. I mean, as much as I mean, I'm a very optimistic person. At least I used to be, but now I've become a realist. I like to think everyone is good until they show me their true colors. I like to think that everyone is a good person until they 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 tell me who they are and they will every person you meet will tell you what he believes in and what he believes in constitutes what his future is with you if somebody comes to you and he says all i care about is money that's all you need to hear when somebody comes to you and they say oh i hope i hope i succeed in in creating a good business i'm sorry but people that have meaning People that believe in long term goodness are a better person than someone that's just selfish. People I mean and unfortunately, um the world is encouraging the selfish norm where it's just me, 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 like say it like uh, we, we rise together. I mean, who wants to live in who wants to live as a, I mean I mean, I, I met someone and he was telling me that, oh, it's lonely at the top. An entrepreneur, successful entrepreneurs are lonely at the top. Like it doesn't have to be. You just have to, I mean, why would you lose friends because you want to be an entrepreneur? It doesn't make sense. I mean, you might prioritize your business, which is your right. But that doesn't mean that, uh, that you lose focus of your own, your own love. Maybe my, maybe I will, maybe I'm, uh, I'm someone obsessed with being a successful entrepreneur, and there's nothing wrong with it. But I don't do it at the cost of stealing ideas from others. I mean, I introduced mm-hmm. one friend to another friend, and both are very good friends of mine. And one, the 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 original person which I introduced to had this brilliant idea in uh, in water design nation using solar energy, which is brilliant, so when I introduced him to my other friend who has connections, I thought that they could partner and work together and you know figure out their figure out their way and I did it i I did it with the best of intentions. a month later, I call my other friend who does, who, who has connections, and i'm like I introduce him to another friend of mine and and he tells my friend that he's working on solar desalination using solar power, and I was shocked. I was like, but this is my friend's idea. Tobias idea, what are you doing? And he was like, no, it's my idea. I don't know your friend. And I was like, oh, my God. I didn't have to wait until he did the same kind of damage of stealing an idea from me to do it to him. But uh, I, I disconnected. He didn't do anything bad to me, but he didn't need to. Because like I told you, people with experience, people... Um, People show you their colors. They don't, people tell you who they are. And, uh, you, I mean, and you have to be smarter for it. And let me tell you, he has gotten nowhere. I mean, so the, like this person that stole the idea for the last five years has been a loser. I mean, he uh, he claims he has connections and he has ideas and he has businesses and he would like to start them up. But it's all talk. He 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 is just a, a stay he, he's a stay at home dad. Um, he inherited some money from his father, and he's not doing anything. He's just uh, he's I mean this is what you call a parasite, a leech. They basically steal your energy and run with it, and they think that oh the idea is so brilliant I can steal it and run away and start it on my own. You can't. The first person. When, at the age of 22, raised $75 million. At the age of 22. This new solar thing is just another one of his many businesses. I mean, he was awarded by the Minister of Economy in Germany. So when, when, when somebody is a thief, they will continue being thieves. But when somebody is... And you know what? The, this person that was stolen from I went and I told him, I'm like, I'm sorry I introduced you to this friend of mine. I thought he was a good person and I and it's up and, and it's my duty to let you know that this happened. Please, I apologize, but I think you should disconnect with this person. And he did. He didn't waste a minute. He moved on. Next. He has no time to hate. And I look up to this guy. Cause he's just focused on his reality. He's focused on his future, which is what we should be. I don't focus on putting people uh, uh, putting people in these imaginary concentration camps and hating on them and bullying them No, I just go on. I forgive and I forget, and, and I learn. I never forget I, I mean I, 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 uh, <clears throat> I, I mean, I forgive for me, not for them. because if I, if I hate is like carrying uh, c- carrying a piece of coal, a burning red coal. It hurts you more than it hurts them. I remember, I mean, I carry the scars to prove it and to remind myself of it every now and then. So in the future, if I ever meet someone, and let me let you know, NDAs mean nothing. Even copyrights mean nothing. This summer in America, I met a guy and he was one of the inventors. He he basically invented a bunch of things. Because, you know, when you're a, when you're a creative person, you invent so many wonderful things. And you continue producing and creating so many amazing things. And uh, he copyrighted everything, and then he put it on the Internet. And he was like, I'm up for I mean, I can partner. And I, I'm, I'm raising funds. He didn't get funds. He got thieves. People began stealing his idea. And we're talking the big conglomerates. We're talking the biggest in America. And when he wanted to go and sue them, they said it's going to cost you $7 million. He doesn't have seven million dollars. Had he had seven million dollars, he would have started the company up without with
2: it. So each we have we have to talk about these situations so we learn from them. And when you learn from them, you don't make
1: them. Not just for me, not just for, not, not just for them, for me and you. So when you want to do a business and you want to succeed, you need to learn from these people, their experiences. Like, they are good and the bad. And please tell me the bad before the good. I mean, I, I mean I'm mean, i talking to you because I know that ultimately you succeeded and you're in a good place. But tell me about the bad experiences so I, so I don't fall into these potholes on the way. And the thing is, a lot of these successful entrepreneurs, they make it look like it's so easy because they like to flaunt their, uh, you know, like to show off their big muscles. And I'm sorry. I mean, I, I mean, I appreciate it. I mean I like your big muscles but uh, I like your I like the six number like the like the six zeros after um, another number in your bank account but can you tell me how you really started Everyone started from their garage everyone started with the basics everyone started with a group of people that believed and were loyal to them We're talking Apple we're talking Amazon they all started from the basic stuff. Even like, I mean, you look at uh, the subcontinent, like the Indian subcontinent. They have over 20, almost 30 unicorns a year.
2: What does that tell you? I mean, you can learn from these people. And then, and then you look at the companies
1: and happening in the Emirates. And then you look at companies happening in China. Look everywhere. Every, everyone teaches you a lesson. Everyone is just so inspiring, and one thing, one thing each of these people carry. What I mean, every culture, every every market has its own thing, but they all persevere, and they all go back to the drawing board, and they're not scared to change everything from the root of the situation. I mean, they go to the root of the problem and they change it. They go to the like uh, there's there's I mean there's open discussions. People don't. People don't like to listen
2: anymore. Everyone wants to hear himself talk. It's so wonderful that you sort of
0: touched upon the real authentic human journey. And I think this is a common theme that comes across where you kind of talk about through the 360 angle um, of the hardship that people face, which is in in the like which is absolutely a part and parcel of the human journey. Um, you talk about the raw authenticity as well, which again um, adds to to that beautiful journey of um, aspiration and success, but also making the right choice. Integrity is a theme that comes across, you know, in in what you're saying as well. Now you yourself have also achieved quite a lot. You're a multi talented individual from being an author, a publisher of a leading magazine, an advocate for human rights, a working mother, and a businesswoman um, in diverse fields, as well as carrying a responsibility being part of a royal family. Which of these roles do you align with the most?
2: Um, I think realistically talking, without the pretty pretty without the
1: pink glasses a mother <laughs> i mean you hold you, you can
2: yeah.
1: my son can come, can come right into my room and start banging the door and demand time from me and i can't do anything about it and he takes priority if you come to think of it your kids take your, your kids control you until they leave the house <laughs> so so yeah and especially when they're toddlers especially when they're so young when they're older they have their they, they do their own thing so i think um, being a mother takes priority even over being a wife so so yeah i think uh, i think i'm a mother and i think i'm a wife and i think i'm a daughter and i think these things realistically they take priority because ultimately these things matter the most your success doesn't matter
2: if your parents are
1: gone your success doesn't matter if your kids don't love you. Ultimately you do these things because they think they will increase your wealth, your power and the love of people to you. I mean I'm, I'm saving you a lot of time by telling you the truth.
0: Absolutely I think you have such a deep insight into sort of human nature. It's very interesting that you mentioned that because I've got my, my little ones uh, popped in uh, so she, it's just, it absolutely, you know, those roles and, and those bonds of love, especially with our children as, as working mothers, like you said, your little one can come in at any moment in time. And, 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 and that's, that's what truly really matters in the long, long term, the memories that you create with them. So really wonderful to see that and, and hear about that as well. What are the projects you are currently working on and what are your hopes for the future?
1: Um, my current job is, um, right now I'm creating a cloud kitchen because I stopped Hearts in a Box for a year mm-hmm. <laughs> or two and now I'm coming back, but now I'm I'm doing it, uh, the 2.0 version because now we've become very uh,
2: online Um and I can see you t- a little too. Hi, what's she's your name? Just a little sorry, Hi. She's fascinated by your voice. She's just literally fascinated by <laughs> your voice. <laughs> he just come and play
1: with my kid. He's two years old, but he thinks oh. he's 12.
0: So. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. Well, my little one, he thinks his age is his height. So he's five. So he'll go, I'll say, how old are you, Daniel? He'll go... One, two, three. I'm three. I'm not five. So he he's uh he wants to go back in time.
2: Well, nice to meet you. <laughs> so
1: yeah, I'm um I'm coming. I'm, I'm actually I I I was on the phone yesterday with uh, with a few warehouses and with my manager back home, and I'm arranging for things to restart. I'm starting a cloud kitchen for my I mean a cloud kitchen and uh, a delivery for my flower business because I I've had it uh, I mean my graduation project at the American University of Cairo mm. was uh, was basically an online flower delivery and uh, I was I uh, I I I I I graduated with honors it was just a diploma but uh, I even had some kind of, I even had a TV interview because the idea was so authentic and new at that time. they were like, "Oh my God, flower delivery online!" and and I was like, "Yeah," and you can like you can pay one time at the beginning of the year, and I give you a fifty percent discount. And uh, for example, you put like your wife's birthday, your kid's birthday, your boss's birthday, your friend's birthday, and uh, you put it on the calendar, and we send you reminders and. Uh, and, it, and and we even we were even we even had everything handwritten so they really liked the idea but the thing is i didn't know how to fundraise at the time so i i, I started out online which unfortunately wasn't successful but as a physical store it was successful i uh, i never stopped the online version but the online never picked up when did online because people wanted to see the flowers they didn't trust to, to see flowers in a picture because they were like, "No, they look bigger in the pictures or something. People didn't trust it they would they were like uh, they would choose it online, but then they would come physically and, ch- and, and and see the flowers because they were worried, and I can't do anything about that, but this is how it was hmm. But now the world has opened up, and now people accept the idea of flower delivery. Even on a picture online on your mobile app. So now I can go back to that because uh, I was uh, I was ahead of my time, which is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. But uh, it's all about not carrying any bitterness. And if anything, everyone that started the flower online delivery has helped me. I mean, one of fl- I mean, there's a nice thing that says when a flower grows in in a field of roses, for example, or flowers, they don't worry about the the roses on the left or the flowers on the right or the left. They just focus on blooming and reaching for the sun. There's enough sun for everyone. There's enough air for everyone. There's enough land and money and and opportunities for everyone if we simply allow it. And wherever you feel that you are not successful, Simply leave. Go someplace else. If you feel like you're not getting the opportunity you want in, um, in England, go to America. If you feel like America isn't the place for you, go someplace else. I mean, you find, you, actually you find a lot of people that are very successful aren't even native to the country they're successful at. Because they're not scared of being a pioneer. This is something that we all have to take to heart. Some people feel like, "Oh, i didn't succeed in my village, so I'm, all, I'm destined for failure." Why don't you go to the capital? Why don't you go to a bigger country? why don't you go to where you're cele- go where you're celebrated, not where you're torrated?
2: So you need to, you need to be uh, in a group of people that
1: see your vision. I mean you can't basically sell art to people that don't speak art. You can't sell books to illiterates. You can't, um, you can't sell food to a country that's self-sufficient. You need to be, they're, they're in basic economics, 101 or 100, they teach you there is a demand and supply chart. You have to go to where the demand is. I mean, you find so many people that have, that have made it. They've made their millions in Africa. Africa is the richest country in the world with their resources. But sometimes you will find an Indian or, uh, or a white person in Africa because he has a good idea, because he understands there is a demand and he can supply it to a price that the customer will be willing to pay. What is demand? Demand is being ready, able and willing to pay the price for the product you wish to purchase. Once you understand that, that's, uh, that's literally half the book on economics. Find your customers. Mm-hmm. There was a movie, and in the movie they would say, they, they, it was basically about, uh, they would say, in the field of dreams, I think, build it and they will come.
2: You need to, you, you need to basically create something so brilliant that people cannot deny it.